this morning's speaker, speaking on prayer is the language of heaven, as we're in our theme of, over the next few weeks on prayer. So please let me welcome uh, Pastor Paul Edlin up to share the word with us. Wonderful. Good morning, church. Um, that word that you had, Robert, uh, when you came into the building, um, what was it? Remind me again. Words of life. Words of life. You know what the disciples said to Jesus um, when things were, weren't going that, that well <laughs> towards the end? And uh, they said to him, Jesus, where will we go? Because you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. I think that's a word for some people this morning, without a doubt. Very good morning to you, church. How's everyone this morning? What a great-looking bunch of people you are. It's good to be here this morning. We're doing this series on prayer. Uh, this is part two of, um, of that. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 16 through 18. And if you also uh, find 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, we'll come to that later. So 1 Thessalonians first, um, we will get to that. Um, but before I read the text, in the interests of full disclosure when it comes to prayer, as a new believer, I knew more about prayer than ever doing it. I was the kind of the self-sufficient type, relying more on what I could do rather than what God could do. And coupled with that, which kind of made it a little bit more interesting, I've got this kind of racehorse temperament. You know, I want to get things done now, Simon. I want it now. And, and when you've got those two coupled together, you kind of go out there on your own and, and you find yourself um, trying to make things happen, whereas God's kind of just waiting there and he's like this. He'll come back. He'll come back and line up, you know, kind of tapping his, tapping his fingers. And that was kind of what happened for me. And when Christine and I went into ministry, the very first pastorate that we, that we had, we were there for 14-odd years up in Wellington, um, I remember when we first arrived there, so first time pastor in a church and all that kind of stuff, and I, I, I said to myself, now, because the church was in all, wasn't that great place, it was going through all sorts of things, and, um, and I, said, I said to myself, now, what am I going to do to change this? What can I do to change this? So I kind of started thinking about all sorts of things in the first few months that we were there. We'll do this, we'll do that, and we'll change this and change that and all the rest of it. And after a wee while, I kind of realized that none of that was working. And I had this radical thought. It must have been a revelation from the Holy Spirit, Brenda. Why don't I do this God's way? Why don't I start asking Him what we should do? And it was kind of like, kind of left field. So I decided, I kind of understood in the Bible, even though I wasn't somebody that naturally prayed, it wasn't kind of a natural thing that I would do. I loved the Lord, I was saved, I was going to heaven um, and all of that, but prayer was not something that I kind of just naturally went into. Can anyone identify? Yeah, probably a lot of us. Well, it's okay, you're in good company, you're with me. 
And I, I had this radical thought. The Bible talked about prayer, that we should be people that pray. In fact, I think one scripture says um, men and women should um, always pray. If they don't, they lose heart or something like that. And I thought, well, rather than losing heart, why don't I just start praying? So I began this program, if you like, this process. I'd come down to church early in the morning. 7.30 was my start time. I'd come to church. Well, it was only me there anyway because there was no one else on staff at that time. Um, I'd come down at 7.30 in the morning, and I would just, for the first hour, I would just start praying. And you probably say, well, what were you praying about? Whatever came to mind, whatever was on my heart. I would start praying about that. By the way, that's what I do here. 7.30 in the morning, the rest of the staff arrive around about 8.30, between 8.30 and 9. If you're part of the staff here and you're listening this morning, please don't come at 7.30. I don't want you in the building. It's just me and God. No, that's, that, you can come at 7.30 if you want. Go to another part, though. And, and it became my kind of go-to thing. It was, became quite natural for me after a while. It took a while, but I kind of got into this rhythm of just taking this stuff before God. So whatever happened on the Sunday service beforehand or whatever the situation was with a particular person or uh, whatever, I would just start praying about it. And it was interesting because my language changed. All of a sudden, Bruce... It wasn't about what I could do. It was about what God could do through me. And it's the same for you. This is where prayer is so, so important. And you know what? When I started to do pray like that, when I changed my mindset, when I adjusted the way that I thought about prayer and what God could do as opposed to what I could do, that's when we saw the shifts start to happen. Can you relate to that? That's when God started to do some stuff, and the rest is history. So for me, now I've done a complete 180. Prayer is a discipline that I have grown to love, and I consistently employ it on a daily basis. My only regret, church, is I wish I had have caught hold of that truth earlier. I really do. So last Sunday, Anna preached a great message when she launched the series on prayer. And while encouraging us to specifically be praying for our loved ones, for friends and loved ones who don't yet know Jesus, I want to build on that and we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And here it is. It should be up on, here we go. Rejoice always. Everyone say rejoice. rejoice. And it says always. I loved what you did this morning, Robert. You stopped the service, what we had pre-planned, and just let the Holy Spirit come and people just ministered to. That in itself is rejoicing. It's putting God right in the center of what we're doing. Isn't that cool? Rejoice always. What a great way to start your day. Just, you know, you can get, you've got a choice. When you get out of bed in the morning, your attitude can either be, good Lord, it's morning, or good morning, Lord, one or the other. We get to choose that. Try saying something like this when you get up in the morning, no matter what the circumstances are. Thank you, God, for this day. I deliberately choose to honor you. 
I deliberately choose to do that. I deliberately choose to ask you to come into my day. I know I've got a challenge around the corner. I've got this to deal with or that to do. I've got to go here, there, and everywhere. But God, be with me in all of those circumstances. And you know what? He promises to be with us in all that we do. Put him right in the center. What a great way to start your day. Rejoice always. You know why we begin the services with sung worship? Do you know why we do that? Anyone have an idea? Why do we do this? Well, it puts God right in the center. We come here to honor and to worship him. It puts God in the center rather than our circumstances in the center of what we're doing. Now, your circumstances are real. Do not dismiss them. But this time, and the, the, the space and time that we have this morning, you can put that to the side for just a period of time and f- put your focus on who God is. And he's the one that has the solution to your dilemma. Put him in the center of it. That's why we do that. The Psalms 143 says this. The Lord is great and worthy of our praise. Psalms 22.3, and I paraphrase it, that God inhabits the praises of his people. There's something about when we sing. I've come to believe that music, church, is more than just sung words. I've come to believe that music is absolutely and actually it's emotion. So we sing to express moods that we cannot share any other way. There is something about coming into the house of God, or it doesn't even have to be in the church, it could be in your car. It could be when you're in the shower. Anyone sing in the shower? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something... (laughs) Yes. There's something about sung music, words, when we sing those things, we can express moods that we probably cannot share any other way. So there's one good reason. Rejoice always. There's one good reason. And then it goes on, verse 17. Pray continually. Give thanks thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, church, when you read from Genesis through Revelation, the Bible describes so much that is available to us. Isn't that true? When you read right through the whole of the Bible, there is so much that that is available to us. And God's promises cover every, absolutely every conceivable situation we will ever face. The answers are in there somewhere. He carries them with him. They're there for him to dispense to us according to his will, according to his timing. So here's the point, church. When we pray, and some of you, I believe, need to get this into your spirit this morning. When you pray, you are not praying to a reluctant God. Someone say amen. God is not reluctant to respond to your prayer. Two Corinthians one twenty says this: For all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Amen. In other words, church, when you. When you pray, 
And when you have received a promise from God, and sometimes, and this is important, sometimes you have to wait for the response, yes? Sometimes you do, that's true. Sometimes there will be a response that's immediate. In my experience, I have waited more than I've received in the immediate situation, and probably that's true for you too. So both can be true, but whatever he has promised, he will do, because that scripture says to me, his promises are yes and amen. If he's promised it, he will do it. You know, throughout the Bible, we are told consistently and encouraged to pray, and here's why. Because everything God ever did through his people was preceded by prayer and sometimes praise, but always preceded with prayer. Everything God, every time he ever did anything. Church, no matter what the, what the situation, prayer as the language of heaven is the one thing that will get God's attention. To quote well-known preacher Phillips Brooks, should be up here. Should come up here in, the, in a second. It's coming through, it's around Mars at the moment, it's coming through the ether, it'll be here soon, perhaps it's not up there. Let me just read it to you. Phillips Brooks says this, I am convinced that nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. Is that not on that um, file? Gee whiz, I must have uh, deleted it accidentally. I am convinced, says Phillips Brooks, that nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. And I want to premise this message and say this to those of you that see prayer as a priority. I want to say this to you this morning. This side of eternity, you may never know how many people you strengthened because you prayed for them. You may never know how many people were healed because you stood with them in faith as some did this morning. You'll probably never know how many spiritual runaways have come home because you prayed. Church, we may never know the true results of our prayers this side of heaven, but we do know this, God's kingdom is established by those who pray. We do know that. And if you're here today, and you're a person that makes prayer a priority, you are what we would call a prayer warrior, I want to really, really, really encourage you this morning, don't ever give up praying. The great social reformer and preacher John Wesley, who helped champion the cause against slavery, wrote this, God will do nothing but an answer to prayer. Now here's a thought. I wonder what would have happened if Wesley, after a certain period of time, had thought, I'm not doing this anymore, and gave up. I wonder what would have happened then. But he didn't give up. He consistently prayed, prayed and prayed and prayed, and eventually they won the battle. And he would say, all 
was an answer to prayer. So this morning, that's a preamble. I'm going to address two common misconceptions about prayer. These are misconceptions. The first is this. Is prayer a guarantee that God will give me what I want? I don't know about you, but in my experience, I've come to realize that in this life, there are not very many things that we can absolutely guarantee. There are not many things. But in my walk with God, I have discovered three guarantees that he bestows on all of his believers. And the first is found in Romans 8, 38, 39. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we are guaranteed here, what we can trust God for, and what makes us more than conquerors is simply this, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus. That's an absolute guarantee. Nothing can do that. For I am convinced, and in the Greek, that word um, uh, uh, that I am convinced is literally means I stand convinced. I am stood, locked in. I am absolutely convinced. Nothing is going to change my mind. That's what that word means. It is a guarantee. The second thing that is guaranteed and that we can trust God for is found in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. And I paraphrase it. A treasure is laid up for us in heaven. Whatever happens here on earth, God has got something better for you on the other side when you get there. I had the privilege yesterday of um, doing a funeral in Timaru. Um, it was my uncle. And, um, and Uncle Bob, a great guy, really cool man. And uh, we got him very, very well. Uh, he was 88 and his time had come to an end. And uh, in his family, his, uh, my auntie, Auntie Jan, um, she was a believer. Uncle Bob was, well, if he was, he was, very, he was a closet believer. <laughs> One of those guys. But he was a neat man, a great dad, a great husband. And we heard the testimonies from all the family yesterday as they shared. It was just a really good time, wasn't it, Lee? It was awesome being there. Anyway, the point being that um, just before he passed, his daughter led him to faith in the hospital bed. Now, I, I, I tend to think that he had a faith anyway. I tend to think that, but he was the type of man that kind of, it was private for him. Um, but that day, some hours, I think, before he passed, he, he said the Lord's Prayer. And here's my point. He's in heaven. And there's a treasure that's been laid up for him that he's enjoying right now. That's God's guarantee. So that's number two. But the third guarantee... Outside of God's love for me and the promise of eternal life, there is one other guarantee that God bestows upon all believers in his word. And this is the guarantee. I can pray with confidence that knowing that God has heard my prayer, I know that he has heard it. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, listen, and I will listen to you. 
I may not be certain about the outcome of my prayer, but I can absolutely be certain of this, that God hears my cry. He hears the prayer of my heart. And it gets even better. Not only does God hear my prayer, but my prayer, and this might come as a surprise to you, but I will prove it from Scripture, that my prayer also influences the heart of God. Hello, some people out there. That your prayer, Zoli, can influence the heart of God. Anyone disagree? Let's check these verses out. Exodus 32, 10 through 14. That's the incident of the golden calf, remember? Moses was up on the mountain and he was seeking God and he came back down and they'd made the golden calf and the nation started worshipping the golden calf and, and God was going to destroy them all. He was, uh, um, uh, and Moses interceded for the nation, the whole nation, and changed God's plan. Verse 14 says this uh, of Exodus 32. Then the Lord, listen, relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had previously threatened. Isn't that influencing God's mind? Hello? Absolutely it is. Um, Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught that our prayers actually help bring about God's will on earth. You know the one? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's already been done in heaven. Do you realize that through prayer we can call down from heaven to earth God's will? We can call it down. How many times have you... Um, interceded, if you are an intercessor, Miriam, you'd know this better than probably most people. When you are interceding, you're actually pulling down from heaven God's response. Is that true, Miriam? You're actually inter you're contending for it. There will be an enemy that will try to stop you. And this is, if, if I was Satan, I would stop every Christian from praying if I could. If I did that one thing, the church would be dead in the water. Just that one thing. If God can convince you not to pray, he's won. Believe me, church. But boy, when we start praying, does he get angry? He's not a happy chappy. How many of you realize that when you start? Distractions come. You know, you want to start praying and all of a sudden, I don't know, you run over the cat or something. Something happens to kind of distract you completely. Satan is very, very good at distracting us. I want to encourage you this morning, Brian, when God says pray, bro, pray. Just pray. Just pray. When God says pray about this, when you get a word for somebody, someone laid on your heart, you could be driving down the road. Keep your eyes open, by the way, but pray. God just puts a person on you. Just, just, just start praying for them. See, Satan will want you just to keep driving and worry about the lights which are, you're coming up to. Just start praying. You know, my closest times, um, I feel closest with God, and, and, and I am. I just literally am. It, it works. It works with my personality, I guess. But when I'm out walking, and I, I walk pretty much every day, I go and do my thing. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just starts, Don just starts talking to me. 
It's incredible. Even if I'm listening to some music and something like that, the Spirit of God can just break through and I'll get a picture of somebody or a name or something, something that I know, some situation that I'm aware of, and all of a sudden it's right there in front of me. And I get then to choose. Do I continue listening to the music I'm listening to or do I just put that aside and say, okay, God, what are you actually saying here? Yeah? Take the time to listen to that still quiet voice take the time to go into prayer if that's what God is asking you to do. And you know what else? You can't help but see in Scripture that God's will is affected to some degree by whether or not his people humble themselves and pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14 It's so important, church, to understand this. God has set things up in such a way that prayer is the key variable that makes it possible for him to do something that would not otherwise be done without our asking. It is prayer that God responds to. There is something about prayer. It is a variable, and it makes it possible for God to do something that he may not have done without our asking. In other words, our relationship with God is not just about His influencing us, but us influencing Him, and we do that through prayer. In that sense, I believe it is legitimate to claim that God's hands are effectively tied when we fail to pray. How about that? Now look, church, how you pray, there are all sorts of ways of praying. Um, I don't know what works for you. It works for me when I'm out walking or doing something like that. Some people need to shut themselves away in a quiet... Chris, Chris, you're like that. Have that quiet place and no distractions, that kind of thing. I can have cars racing past and bikes and dogs, people walking dogs, and still just be right in the moment. It doesn't, doesn't distract me at all. There are all sorts of ways of doing it. But there is a sense that through prayer we do have some influence. God will not always unilaterally decide and determine all things apart from us. So here's the question, one of the misconceptions. Is prayer a guarantee that God will give me what I want? No, it's not. But he does afford us the privilege to pray, and he invites us to be decision makers and prayer warriors, listen, in partnership with him. Your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven, not mine. Your will be done. And the second common misconception to do with um, prayer is actually about our will versus God's will. So we're asking, asking according to his will. And this one is so easily misunderstood too. 1 John 5, 13 to 15 says this. So that was the second scripture I said we'll come to. If you've got that there. 1 John uh, 5, 13 through 15. So we're now talking about praying according to my will or his will. Here it is. 
It actually begins with, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Here's the confidence. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. So here's the thing. When we pray according to His will, His Word, right there, His Word guarantees that, it, that at the very least God hears our prayer. Would you agree with that? At the very least, that's what it says. But verse 15 also says, listen to this, we know that we have, that's a definite article, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now at first glance, that tells me that we will receive whatever we ask for at first glance. If you just read it in a casual way, you would go away thinking, whatever I ask God for, that's what I'm going to have. So that 10-storied house down the road that I want, that's mine. And I want it, and God will give it to me. You know, the um, I was going to choose a model of car that's right up there, but as soon as I do that, you'd all say, oh, no, not one of those. And you'd have something else to choose. I don't know. So whatever it is that you want, that is yours. That's what that kind of says to me if we, if we read it at first glance. But let's take a closer look at the language. It doesn't say that we shall have what we ask. The verb, when you go deeper, and remember I've always said here, when you read the text, don't read it in its context. The verb is in the present tense. It says, we know that we have what we ask. In other words, we may not see the answer immediately. And church, that is often the case, is it not? We know that. But we have an inner confidence, folks, that God will answer according to his will. His will. Not yours, not mine, according to his will. And there is a further truth here that's not so obvious. When we pray in the will of God as opposed to praying in our will, we are, we are um, uh, also we are also relieved of the burden of having to make it happen ourselves. In other words, when we pray and we pray according to God's will, and we leave that with Him, it's actually not up to you. It's up to Him. This is on Him, according to His will. You know, that's why when you're feeling burdened about whatever it happens to be, and you, then, then all of a sudden you come to that point where you commit it to prayer, like I shared right at the very beginning with the, with the, church that, the first church that, that we were looking after, and I thought it, I thought it was all up to me. I had to do this, I had to do that, make that change there, and all that kind of stuff. It was all kind of up to me until I realized, actually, no, it's actually up to him. So I need to be praying according to his will. And when you start doing that, whatever you commit to in prayer, have you ever experienced this? When you lay it at the foot of the cross, when you bring it before him and say, God, 
you've got the answer, I'm just asking. All of a sudden, the weight and the pressure lifts off your spirit. Have you experienced that? That's what happens. The bur- He's the burden bearer. What does, that, what does that scripture say? Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He's the burden. Why should I carry the burden when it's not mine to carry, Simon? But I have every responsibility. I have a responsibility before God. And if I'm praying for a person, I have a responsibility to them to pray on their behalf. But I can't heal them. I can't change their circumstances. I can't fix them. I can't do any of those things. God can. But somehow, for reasons, his word says he chooses us to partner with him. We are influencers through prayer. Isn't that awesome to know? That the God of the universe would choose you to partner with him. Isn't that incredible? That's mind-boggling. He would choose me. Robert, he would choose you. It's just amazing when you start to bring it down to that level. So here's the question again. Does God answer my prayer according to my will? And the answer is, no, he does not. Certainly not if my will conflicts with his word. He's not going to answer that prayer. And there's a good example of that found uh, and, uh, in James 4.3. And it's one reason why God does not respond to our will. It's because we ask with wrong motives. Wrong motives are prayers that are self-seeking, motives that are all about what's in it for me, because verse 3 says this, when you ask, and that means when you pray, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's not that God is against pleasure. It's not that God is against us having things and having fun. He's not. In fact, all of those things, pleasure, fun, are consistent with God's word. But when pleasure is all about me, when pleasure is self-seeking, it's all about what I want, with no regard for others, then you are asking according to your will, church, and not his. And God's not going to respond to that. One Christian writer explained prayer this way. I love this. Prayer is not bending God's will to ours, but our will to his. Let me say that again. Prayer is not bending God's will to mine, but my will to his. The truth is, church, God will not answer your prayer if it is in conflict with his word and his will. On the other hand, according to God's word, he hears every prayer that is prayed. And prayers prayed according to his will, I will guarantee you, because his word guarantees this, he will answer in his time. If he said he will do it, he will do it. Nothing more certain. It just might not be in your time frame. Begs the question, and I want to finish with this. What happens to the prayers that we pray while we wait? Have you ever considered that? What happens to all of those prayers that you've prayed and you're waiting 
for a response? Well, the answer is found in Revelation 8, because John tells us, And another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden pan with the prayers of all God's people. Here's, here's the truth of this. Not one of your prayers is lost. Not one. Our prayers are collected and processed on the altar before the throne of God. You could say that they are banked in heaven until God decides when and how to release the answer to you. How many of you here, just honesty time, how many of you here have literally experienced an immediate answer to prayer? Put your hand up. Yep, have a look around. That's fine. Just keep your hand up. An immediate answer. Okay, put the hands down. How many of you have experienced answered prayer, but it's taken time before it's happened? Put your hand up. Now have a look around. So thanks. Put your hand out there. <laughs> yeah. More often than not, we have to wait. And you're probably asking me, why should I wait? I have no idea. It frustrates me. It really does sometimes. Maybe it's because um, if we didn't have to wait, then God becomes the genie in the lamp. Maybe. Maybe if we didn't have to wait, all of a sudden prayer um, becomes a formula. And if it's a formula, well, you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to patent it and sell it. Because that's what we would do as humans, wouldn't we? No. I think we have to wait because we're actually trusting on him. We're putting our faith in him. Whoever said that, thank you, Carl. It's about building a relationship as much as anything else, as much as it is an answer to your prayer. It's about that relationship between you and him, putting your trust and your faith in him. Perhaps that's the answer. Music team, could you come up, please? So you could say that our prayers are banked in heaven until God decides when and how to release the answer to you. And I want to finish with this. There's one thing that the church needs in the time that we are in. More than anything else, I believe, and that is to be a people of prayer. Would you agree? You know, Jan and Andrew, who are sitting here with us, um, we've known you for many years. And if you were to ask me one thing to describe you as a couple, I would say this, faithful in prayer. Now, there are many things I could describe you, very positive things, by the way, but that stands out above all things, faithful in prayer. And man, when they get to preach in a few weeks' time, I'm sure we'll hear some of those stories of how God has responded in impossible circumstances, how God has come through for them. So I want to say this morning that if ever there's one thing that the church needs more than anything else, and that is to be a people of prayer. This is a critical hour for the church's history, and we have great opportunities before us, folks. When we pray, God hears our prayers. He has all the resources available to him in the universe necessary to distribute and dispense according to his will, according to his word, his way. We have an enemy on the other hand. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I 
have life, and I give you life, and life to the full. When you read that particular verse, when you go below the surface again, read it in its context, and read what's below all of that, that word, life to the full, literally means life on earth now, present, and in eternity. If you look at the Greek language, that's what it means. It's a powerful, powerful verse. It's a powerful truth. When we realize that prayer is the language of heaven and we begin to consistently pray, He promises that prayer will meet your needs, will satisfy your heart, and do what you could never do apart from pray. So, I want to do, I've got three minutes. Can I go over time? Thank you. Thank you. You know, Anna, when Anna preached last week, and I encourage you, go, go online and listen to that message, terrific message. Right at the end of the service, if you were here, you would have said she, she invited people to come down to the front um, not for people to pray for them, but for them to come down and just spend time with God. Do you remember that? And that was right to do that. That was absolutely the right thing to do. And there was a terrific response. And people came. And then after a period of time, I think we did start praying for people. This morning, I want to change it up just a little bit because I want to do both. We were at Hanma, uh, the Hamna Prayer and Fasting Conference about two weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. There was 150 Baptist pastors and leaders praying and fasting and worshiping together. And that's a miracle in and of itself, believe me. Anyway, that's a joke, folks. You can laugh. There you go. It was fabulous. We had this wonderful time. And our national leader came down and the... Um, the um, um, principal of the Bible College, John, was there. It was just a terrific time of unity and people praying and, and worshiping together and, and et cetera, et cetera. And for reasons I can't explain to you, other than the fact that we saw it happen, there was a space in the middle. Zoe, you'd remember this, that space in the middle where the carpet was. The music team we were behind, if you like, where I am. People are out there, 150-odd people. There was this big space in the middle we put some carpet tiles down because it was a concrete floor. And um, somewhere along the line, someone got a word that for reasons that they, they couldn't figure out either, there was something about people getting out of their seats and physically making a move to come into that space. Now, that space wasn't um, sanctified, if you like, in that regard. But here's a, here's, here's a reality that we've seen through history. Every revival that has ever taken place in, in, in the church's history, has always been in a geographical location. Welsh Revival was in Wales. That's what's called the Welsh Revival. The Azusa Street Revival in Azusa Street somewhere in America. Well, yeah, it was a geographical location. And, and you say, well, Paul, explain that to me. I really can't. I just know that it happened. So what I'm saying to you this morning I can't give you the theology of this. 
But what I can say to you this morning, there's something about getting out of your seat and taking a move in that direction that just seems to change the atmosphere around your life. And I believe that's important this morning. So I'd like you to stand. We're going to sing, uh, the music team are going to um, sing the song, I Just Want You. And that's actually, it's just the words of that song. It's about wanting Him in the midst of everything that's going on for you. And I want to encourage you, if you want to come down and just soak in the presence of God, come to your left. Come over to that side there. And if you want to people to pray for you now, then come to the right-hand side. Just come to this side over here. And we'll do both. The key to this church is deciding in your own head and heart that I'm going to take a step in that direction. And let's put prayer right in the center of your situation. You with me, church? Let's make it a priority, at least this morning. So the team will just start singing. Thank you, Mike. And as you're ready to come down, we've got people that'll pray for you. If you're on the right-hand side, we'll come and pray with you. If you're on the left-hand side, we'll just leave you to it. And then you can switch across if you want to be prayed for. How's that? Okay. Let's do that.